This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. Welcome to DesignCast. Jason Reagan will guide you through the MYP design course like a pro. Stay tuned. Welcome to another edition of DesignCast. Thanks for joining me. This is episode number eight. And this was uh, all taken from a live stream that we ran a few days ago, and it was dealing with drones in education. And so if you've ever been interested in using drones in school or Um, how you could use them even in your own personal life. Uh, We talk about lots of different uh, situations, and it was really, really a great chat. And so uh, have a listen, sit back, enjoy, and I will see you next time. All right. Hey, guys. Welcome. Thanks so much for being here. I'm Jason Reagan. We're going to be talking all about how we can use drones in education. So I've got this expert panel here. I am working at Chadwick International School in Incheon, South Korea. I'm going to tell you all about the way we use drones. We've got lots of different ways we use them, but I'd love for these guys to introduce themselves. So Stu, you want to go first? Sure. My name's Stuart. I work with Jason at Chadwick in South Korea. Uh, As far as drones go, uh, I am an amateur drone pilot, self-taught, but I've been using them, trying to learn more about them for uh, what we do at school. I run an outdoor education program. It's been a fun, fun journey flying them around Korea. Hey everyone, I'm Craig Frelick. I'm from Singapore, but originally from Canada, where I use most of our drone stuff. So we had a after-school club that used drones, and then like Stuart. We have an intense outdoor ed program, so we took drones on all our outdoor ed trips. All right. um, Hi, everybody. My name is Rob. I work in Seoul. I've kind of been using drones uh, mostly for actually teaching teachers how to use drones. Uh, My school doesn't have a program. Uh, The problem is living in Seoul, we actually can't fly drones. It's a no-fly zone. So (laughs) even though I do have drones, we're, uh, we're not supposed to use them outside school very much. I'll be talking a little bit about how to use a little guy like this with students and coding so i hope you guys enjoy great i'm terry linton i'm in beijing china originally from winnipeg canada i'm the curriculum director at the beanstalk education group i'm very interested to learning quite a bit more about drones to how they can fit into the curriculum and how to get kids really involved and actively engaged with using these things because you know they love them hi guys uh, my name is david mack i'm from ireland originally currently in suzhou china i'm much like you guys trying to get other teachers involved in using drones with their different applications and just have fun with flying them myself, to be honest. And they are fun. That's probably the most, that's the part is that everyone loves is how fun they are. So let's see, who would like to tell a little bit about how they how they got into droning and, and sort of what they've been using it for at the moment in their in their school or even recreationally? Craig, you want to go first? <laughs> I will. I'd, I'd love to go first. Great. So as I alluded to back in Canada, it was the wild, wild west when DGI first released a bunch of their mm. drones in Canada, there were no rules or regulations. And so our school picked one up quite quickly. We were flying them in national parks. We basically could fly them everywhere and anywhere. And so the kids got accustomed to this, especially on our outdoor ed trips. I would train a few kids 
you know, we do canoeing trips, we do cross country skiing trips, and then they would help me do the footage. You know, mostly on our, you know, we'd stop at a certain location along the river, we'd pull out the drone, uh, we'd get amazing footage that the admissions department would just salivate over. I look at those pictures now, and they would be worth probably hundreds of thousands of dollars because the drone regulations in Canada have tightened up since then. And so you're not allowed to fly drones, for example, in a national park like Banff National Park. And yet we have footage of cross-country skiing back five or six years ago of us mm. in Banff National Park, which, I, like I said, could probably sell for a lot of dollars. So, And then quickly, we did a club. It was like an after-school CCA mm. club where we started to upskill kids. So we had little hula hoops which basically taught them proper flying skills because more and more regulations were coming in and people who were getting licenses needed to sort of show a certain level of competency in regards to how they could fly these drones. I love how you got into that. That's very personal. So I, that's, that's really awesome. For, uh, I can go next. Uh, okay. Kind of tag on to what Craig's talking about with outdoor ed. And so for me, drones, you know, kind of a funny story is we were scouting uh, a course area for one of our trips in Korea uh, near a provincial park. And there were like several days in a row, this photographer, like a local photographer, we just kept running into the guy and he had a drone. He's flying it around and we kept joking like, man, we need to buy our own drone because that's going to save us so much time of walking and looking and we could just fly over here, fly over there. We have all this data. Uh, and then a year later, you know, Jason, our school got drones and I just started salivating, checked out the drone, got on YouTube, started to try to learn how to fly it. And our goal was to create you know, a little bit of marketing videos for our program. Um, but really, we wanted to show parents and the students you know, what it's like out there beyond school and try to make things tangible and show these locations. As a result, flying them in the field or uh, outdoor ed has been a great way to engage kids, especially the older kids, because they, I mean, usually they're better pilots than I am. <laughs> and they, you know, they want to interact with it. And, you know, it's a great way to take that stuff back into school and back mm -hmm. into the classroom. Yeah. And I can say Stuart has been a really quick self-study. I'm going to post, hopefully, if he doesn't mind, uh, the link afterwards in the description, because the videos, he, the footage he's taken is absolutely spectacular. I can put all your guys' stuff up there. That would be, would be sweet. Uh, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Stu. My, my introduction to drum kind of started out um, small and then got bigger. I was contacted by Parrot, if you don't know, they're a French drone maker, and they have a, a little little drone here and it's called the Mambo. It, it's toy size, but it's actually quite controllable and quite stable. They wanted me to uh, bring this on, uh, bring this to summits to teach teachers how to use it with coding. This little guy connects with, let's see, what does it connect with? You can use Python, you can use Tinker, you can use Dashboard, and you can use uh, Swift if you're in Apple school okay. and you can you can link to it directly using USB and a tablet say and you can code it with block coding for the little ones and you can get more complicated and it's got little things like it's got a little uh, cannon mm -hmm. on it and you can get little little grippers and mm -hmm. I just took it out into the field and I showed teachers how to how to code with it and actually I'm in the comments right mm -hmm. now I'm going to put a link for people to check out I don't know if I can or maybe Jason I pop, I've can. already popped something up yep for that yeah, so I use that kind of to get into uh, drones. I got a camera drone. We did take some video of the school and around, but mm. what I actually started using this for was for 360 pictures. I don't oh, know okay. if you guys have ever, mm. have you guys ever heard of Kula, the website Kula, K-U-U-L-A? Okay, so Jason, I'm going to post another link. But with these drones, uh, the nice thing about them is that basically you can set it to do a 360 picture for you. Oh, wow. And if you don't, if you don't have a 360 camera, because a lot of people yeah. don't, 
drone. But if you buy a small drone that has a 360 capability, okay. you can create 360 tours all around oh, your school. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, we so, have one of those. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So even if you're limited, like in a city like ours, you can even use these drones. These drones are like this one is small enough that you can fly it inside if there's no kids right. around. You know, you can take some nice 360s of uh, classrooms or your gym or, sure. or that sort of thing. Or anywhere you go, you can use that. Drones yeah, aren't Dave, just for outdoors. That's exactly right. I was going to add to that, that those small mambas are great because you can fly them inside without much trouble. David, I'm sure, will share a story of us trying to fly uh, in the gym <laughs> well, <laughs> with a large drone. Well, that well, to be honest, <laughs> I, I actually think that the larger drones are kind of on their way out in terms of yeah, uh, yeah. education because you don't need the Phantom anymore for a school. No. Like, yeah, you can get, yeah, you can get the DJI uh, Mavic Mini, which is a 4K yeah. with over 20 minutes of flight time. You can fly that in, you know, just a in, normal in a room. size. Yeah. yeah, no, no, I, I agree. I mean, I think that's been the, the missing component is being able to really safely fly it inside with all the, you know, I mean, David will talk in a minute, but we used to think about the gym being like a big Faraday cage. You know, it was all this metal and rebar and things around it. Yeah. And it made it really hard for us to control. We had some escape artist moments uh, <laughs> trying to fly a big one inside because, you know, of all the interference. So it was nice that there's these smaller drones that you can fly down a hallway or have it have inside the gym at a basketball game or, or something like that. The cost too. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we, we had some fun with that. Like the, the big drones, I think we, we in China got in on the tail end of the, the big drones, the Phantoms, before the, the Mavics were getting in really, really popular. Trying to use it inside, it's got so many possibilities. Like I see a lot of schools are now doing like virtual tours of the school by using drone footage instead of big dollies and stuff like that. There's just so many applications for it. And they're so easy to fly with, even if you're using something like a DJI Spark, you've got the hand gestures uh, where little kids can use it so easily. But yeah, we, we've still got the, the Phantom rocking around, but we've got a really big campus and we don't really have restrictions on where we can fly around where we are. So we're lucky we can still make good use of it like that. But if you're in a small space, you're you're, you're really looking towards the, the real small ones. Those, those Mambas are awesome. Um, I would wonder though, with the Mambas, Rob, and their applications and coding, can you sort of use them like a robot camera? I've seen a lot of YouTubers talking about like, um, pre-pan shot where it pans across. Can you get it to do that sort of stuff? Well, the thing with the Mambo is that you can get, well, I, I got lucky like a couple years ago, they actually showed me a pre-production one. There is a camera for the first person flying that they, see with the Mamba, it's got like a, a hot shoe on the top. Mm -hmm. So there, there is a camera that you can put on there, but the camera's resolution's not that great. It's, no. it's just for flying. You can't really code the bigger ones. The one thing I, I really do like about having the Mamba for the coding, it just gives that extra, that extra dimension. So you can make, there's a video in the chat, but it shows teachers like making it take off, turning, mm. shooting a target, and then going underneath something. It just kind of helps kids think a little more three-dimensionally. You know, it's just, it's in addition to having a coding robot, just something a little more exciting. With that, you also do, I mean, even though it's a small drone, I mean, a kid could maybe cut their finger if they grabbed it or, I mean, before you use it, it's like anything, you know, definitely have to have like a strong safety conversation with kids and maybe right. even, you know, safety goggles just to be extra safe. But, you know, yeah. it's, it's not really dangerous, but it's just something that you should be aware of. I would be. Yeah, yeah I, I speak from firsthand experience of the dangers of droning. David knows I almost lost my right arm 
arm <laughs> with the story. Phantom one time. So it's stuff of legends. So Terry, tell me a little bit about your interest in drones. I'm in the WeChat group. I don't know how many of you guys are in that drone WeChat group. So I've been lurking in that group for quite some time and seeing all the really cool things that schools are doing and that people are doing with their clubs and with their groups. Uh, where my interest lies is is giving an opportunity for it to get into the curriculum and finding a way for there to be some kind of curricular aspect of it so it's not just a, a fun thing to do it's not just a club it's there's something of actual um, relatable value that you could justify to your administration and this is why you want to do this this is why that program is going to be so that's kind of where my interest lies in terms of how can we use these so that we can add to what's going on in terms of that so I could see application that really pops up in my mind is PE or PHE depending on what your school calls it but there's all sorts of opportunities for a drone to go up to take long-range footage of you coaching and working on plays and developing aspects of that play or developing aspects of what kind of program you're doing so there's there's certainly applications therein um, in terms of that but that's where my interest lies is that how can we make them just instead of being kind of a fun toy into something that uh, that is going to really aid and, and enable kids to learn something better we got a like a rugby team in the school and and, and it's a real kind of play oriented sport, sort of like the NFL. Mm. So we had a PE teacher who was super interested to see how his team performed in defense and offense. And they wanted to see what they looked like on the field from above. So that was a perfect example to get the drone out. Uh, we took footage of 10, 15 minutes of their plays. And then they were able to look over that sort of at home and then just come back and, and, and look at it the next practice. And then it was, it was really useful to see their movement on the field rather than looking side to side in front of them to be able to see themselves like a computer game uh, really gave them a sense of that. It's really uh, interesting stuff for them. Yeah, I yeah. was just going to add, like along with the sports, I mean, with uh, Google Maps and uh, the things that you can upload with the 360 pictures mm. you can take with drones and, um, you know, with the aerial shots you can take, you can really add to like those Google Tour creator and that sort of thing so you can really kind of have kids creating instead of using images online they can really create their own images of like their own neighborhood or their favorite place in the school or their favorite place in the schoolyard you can really get those nice high shots it allows them to explore a bigger world you know like i, I sent my drive before i found out seoul was a no-fly zone um <laughs> I, I sent my, i sent my drone up about um 100 meters and i got it to do a 360 panorama picture wow. um i got the students to some kids are like i live over here i go swimming here and we go shopping here so it kind of it created a lot of really good uh, conversation because that bird's eye view really i don't know it's just it gets kids excited so they can see the whole world around them okay, i'll piggyback on that rob as jason knows i'm a myp design workshop uh leader and so i was just in adelaide a few months ago trying to help teachers develop their myp design units so this one lady like you, Rob, had a bunch of drones and she's like, you know, I just I have them use them as camera tools. And in MYP, we try and hook it to authentic real world experience. And so she brainstormed how drones are used in the real life. Monitoring crops is a big sort of use oh. of drones in many places. We wrapped that back to her and they had a huge campus like many of us do in our mm. affluent international schools. And I said, you could simulate some sort of scenario where the drone, the kids had to program it to monitor up and down pylons as a, you know, number one, the key concept here is 
it's an amazing communication device. You know, the related concept, which Rob, you already talked about is the perspective that humans can't provide that a drone can, you know, and all of a sudden that wrapped into this lovely MYP unit for this lady. That's awesome. Stu, do you want to tell us a little bit more about what you've done with, with the outdoor education and, and how you used it? This la- I know this last fit in the fall, you used it pretty extensively. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. For us, the idea is how do we bring the field and all, of, all the fun stuff we do there back home? You know, in outdoor ed, it's place-based education, so it's hard to communicate to parents where you know these things that are really intangible to them, uh, what we're doing with kids, where we're doing it with kids, uh, and why that's important. And that's, a you know, the drone, like what you guys are talking about, the drone adds that level of perspective that we just can't get on the ground or through stories or through photos. That's really our main goal of taking the drone into the field with us. And then what did you use that footage for? What, how did you, what'd you do with it next? Yeah, I have, uh, and I saw more videos planned. And so, you know, the idea is that we can make, you know, they're sort of marketing videos, um, but they're not really, they're really supposed to be educational videos for kids and parents uh, and teachers. Uh, we're just trying to make them fun and interesting. You know, we have a YouTube channel that parents and kids can log into and see uh, what their kid will be doing and kind of get an ideal uh, idea of the place that we're going to take them to and the, the beauty and the, you know, the, the grandness and the scope of that place. Uh, and, and then the other side of it is educational videos. So more about, you know, this is, you know, helpful tip for whatever you have for sleeping outside or, you know, yeah. how can we bring those lessons back into the classroom before they even go? Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, I know we're talking about the perspective. I mean, the drone gives you shots that you can't get otherwise, but don't forget that on every drone, there's a gimbal with a 4K camera, most of these cameras. Mm. And I've walked around with the drone in my hand shooting (laughs) video sometimes i mean like it's not just i mean it's a little more uh it's a little more of a macgyver tool than than some people give them credit for because i mean if you don't need sound and you just want to maybe you can hold it in your hand and walk down a hallway and get an amazing shot like i've done stuff where basically i've walked through the school and i've walked down some stairs with the drone in my hand to have more control and then i bring it down and actually do a flying shot and then i can stitch those together and it looks like the drone's actually gone down the stairs and out the door without me crashing it so right. i mean i mean you can use it for a lot of stuff it's yeah. really just your own imagination Absolutely. yeah some of the best shots i think that we have I mean, obviously the stuff up high is really cool to see all that stuff but you know even down low you know we're not going to bring like a gimbal and all the stabilizer stuff with us in the field we're trying to go light and fast uh, get in yeah. and get out of the field so you know just getting the drone down low and getting uh you know that first person view uh, of the kids and whatever they're doing because it's stabilized and like you said because that camera's so awesome I and mean, it's really phenomenal footage that's coming out. And you only have one one storage card to deal with as well. Yeah, and I think, Craig, you were going to add something about the safety aspect of letting kids handle drones. <laughs> We've already joked about it, you know, half lost digits yeah. and limbs and stuff. Yeah. And in, in today's day and age, safeguarding is paramount. And so, you know, I work in design and we have these sort of little training sessions that kids have to have if they want to use the laser cutter they have to get upskilled if they want to use the saw they have to have training first and drones are the same thing and you know what does that look like drone university i'm not sure i i haven't you know to be honest the, the last couple of years here in singapore i haven't used drones it's more back in canada if i'm a, a listener of this podcast you know, I would ask you guys, like, what what sort of safety do we mm. have to make sure kids endure before they're allowed to touch a drone? David, you want to add something to that? Yeah, we're, we're looking at the idea of having sort of a driving license for staff. I'm not too keen on letting students around with a couple of hundred dollars worth of drone on their own. So we want to get as many staff as we can sort of upscaled 
on the basics, get them qualified so they can then supervise students who are piloting or, or recording video and stuff like that. Or for the younger students, they can pilot it for them. We're kind of in the, the feeling out stage of how to do that. Is there going to be agreements? Is there going to be insurance issues and all this sort of stuff that depends on your own context? It, it's it's whatever your school policies allow you to do. Sort of a, we're, we're on the, the bleeding edge of, of what schools are doing here. So we, we have to sort of risk it a little bit, maybe. Well, you probably have to write those policies as well as some of those things for yeah. some of this new tech won't really exist. So you'd have to create it kind of on the spot as you go with some of these things. Well, I was going to say too, with um, with having students flying drones, definitely, you know, you've got the the Mambo or you've got the DJI Tello. Mm -hmm. You can actually, you know, I don't think that there's any real need for the kids flying the the big ones. I think you as the teacher could be the tool, and they say, mm -hmm. "Hey, I want this shot. Can you do that?" Right. And then you do that for them. So give them as much input as you can, but also keep them because if something does happen, you don't want them feeling bad. And then there's the whole That's thing right. about you know, you know, they're the responsible, you're responsible. Yeah, the financial thing. But I mean, if you do want to get kids who are practicing their flying skills, because mm. that might be something they're really interested in. Yeah, the Mambo and the Tello, I believe, are I don't know, in China, but in Korea, they're about $110. And I think mm -hmm. in the States, mm -hmm. they're about $100. And they're pretty sturdy. So, you know, if kids really want to start flying drones and going beyond coding them and actually just controlling them and maybe making a course or something, Something. Those smaller drones are actually really stable, but also yeah. you're not going to cry if you crash one. And, yeah, and you probably I, I, could crash it and it'll survive. Yeah, they're they're pretty pretty hardy. Rob, yeah. you've got a, a person here in in Korea that you know deals with those small parrot drones, and so you can buy yeah. them with different attachments, and you can buy them with different abilities. And so we bought a couple of those just for our younger students to take an iPad and do some block coding and go for it, give it a shot. And I'm not too hurt if you know one of them breaks. Uh, in the yeah. sense that, you know, it's just 70 bucks. And if I get a year out of it, that's great. You know, that that ends up being consumable <laughs> at that point <laughs> versus a, a fixed asset of, you know, the Mavic Pro 2 or whatever. But it's also great for empowering kids. You know, they, yeah. they look what I Absolutely. can do. Absolutely. I mean, that, that that's worth the, you know, that's the worth the mm. cost of a drone. I was just going to say, like, that's one of the things that, that in Korea, kids really feel uh, mm. not very empowered most times because okay. everything in their life life is controlled, like everything, every moment of their day, <laughs> where they need to go, getting them out onto this school, uh, into the gym or something and asking them to do something, have them take control of something that they consider, oh, wow, this is like a machine that I'm controlling. I mean, that's um, beside everything, just mm. the positive mental attitude, I think is a benefit. Yeah, I'd agree with Rob, you know, and for me, I've been trying to learn how to fly a drone for myself. And it's been really exciting to see a lot of the kids really get excited when the drone gets pulled out and they want to know how to fly it they go back to That's class right. and they go to their video class and they're like man i saw mr slay have this drone i saw his footage and i want to learn how to do this and i think to you know and tag on to, to david's point about safety uh, and policies is that you know the drones are complex machines they do really cool things they have a lot of liability for the school and for the personal user you know for anyone who's trying to convince their school to buy drones or start a drone program or whatever it might be along with all the educational convincing that we need to do we also need to come prepared with policies and procedures and have ideas for how we're going to manage this and really laying that out to the administration as far as scaffolding that skills with kids, which I'm curious to hear more from um, some of the MIP folks, um, okay. but also, you know, what are what is the checklist for kids to use this?
us mm. that's going to protect them, the school, uh, and our equipment. Craig, you want to add something to that? You were just talking about NYP. First of all, I echo what Stuart said. We're in a day and age where we are so accountable to what kids do and the responsibility that we entail as pastoral caregivers. Being a Canadian, Cirque du Soleil actually has an amazing sort of art piece or performance that I put in the chat where they use drones as part of one of their drama installations. And I showed it uh, back in Canada a few years ago to our theater department and they were enthralled Mm. and thrilled. And you joke, Jason, and I think David about, you know, using the big phantom indoors. So we tried (laughs) so so hard to try and use it in our theater because it, you know, it was a a great piece and the firmware and the the GPS tracking was just so suspect that it wasn't going to work for one of our big musical performances. But if you look at the, again, the clip, Cirque du Soleil has basically figured out as they do for many things, such a creative sort of use of Mm. drones, even in in drama. So if there are drama teachers out there listening, there's a place for these drones for that. And even the Olympics, if you guys remember, there are a couple of Olympics where drones were used as pieces towards entertainment as well. There's definitely an artistic side to that. Yeah. And and Craig too, I mean, uh, you're using DJI, right? Now I know for Parrot, but I know some other drones. Uh, DJI is one of, they're very responsible, but that they're also very much in terms of babysitting. When you're looking at a drone, if you think, okay, I want to be using this indoors or maybe my school grounds are in an area that like we actually live near the Korean blue house the Korean white house that's blue we with the DJI Phantom the school bought they took it out of the box and it wouldn't take off even though we're keeping it like we're planning to keep it like 10 meters and just shoot it for like taking pictures of students uh, very low level within our Mm. own property uh, they couldn't use it so if you are going to get a drone Mm. double check the area double check I believe DJI has an app that'll show you in color so or or if you are in one of those areas and you only want to use it at low level or indoors, like in a theater, look at some other companies like Parrot or I don't know if you guys know any other ones that aren't as babysitter-ish. I don't know. Maybe, David, you got something to add? Yeah, I remember I went to, I went to Macau to talk about drones and education, similar to what we're talking about here. Had all my presentation ready, had my flight plan, sort of what I was going to do and show people what to do. And then about a day before I flew out, I realized that the whole of Macau is a no-fly zone because the airport is so close to everything that I was basically in in their airspace. So I went gave a whole talk about how we can use drones and the drones didn't get one centimeter off the table for the whole weekend. So you've really got to do your homework before you invest. <laughs> and the thing is, those those areas are changing constantly. And yeah. whenever I fire up the DJI, it's always updating the maps and always updating the current zones. And so we're pretty close to the airport here, Stu. So sometimes I'm worried that we're going to get cut off from flying, to be honest. But I think you make a good point, Rob, about checking out what the drones are able to do. You know, are they able to fly inside? Are they able to, you know, do these other things? So I think if people are listening and they're wanting to start using drones in their classroom or at their school, think about it pretty carefully, you know, do some shopping around. Don't just go with what the first thing people say. And the smaller drones, I mean, if if you want to start slow, get a couple smaller drones and just see how it feels. And if you want to get a bigger one, then maybe do that instead of 
getting the best, newest, most expensive thing. I mean, it's always better to kind of start slow and upgrade and go too far and then have your administration say, look at all that money you threw right. out and then we never mm. used it. Um, before we go any further, Terry, his internet dropped out, so he was not able to come in. So he wanted to say bye to everybody. But one of the things he wanted to ask about was the restrictions. And so I think it's such a fluid um, situation. I don't know how much we can really talk about. It. I think the thing we can say is make sure you check your local area uh, mm. to make sure that, you know, what the restrictions are. I know in China, before I left, Dave, I don't know if they're still doing it. They were looking at creating uh, like a classification of pilots where you could or couldn't fly at a certain height or something like that. Is that still going on, David? Do you know? We we had our HR guys look into that and <laughs> they couldn't find a straight answer. But I, I do, I did have a friend. He was, he was thinking about bringing one back to the States. He's our IT director. And he was notified that none of the DJI drones are allowed to fly if you've brought them from China. So you have to fly really? them in the States. <laughs> if you bring one from China, so the, the paranoia is real about, about that sort about of thing. That. So, yeah, okay. So you got to be wow. careful where you buy it as well. Yeah. Stu, did you have any trouble? Have you taken, well, you you bought a drone in Korea or did you buy it in the US? My personal one I bought in uh, the States. Um, okay. The school drones, I don't know where those came from originally. I want to say Hong Kong. Uh, yeah, our, our dealers in Hong Kong. Yeah, I haven't had a ton of problems. You know, I mean, Korea is full of, you know, Air Force bases. Uh, and yeah. so I have, the only thing that's ever happened to me is I've gotten a phone call with the drone in midair from uh, the government and I, I didn't know what they were saying. So I just landed it. We really? decided to leave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd have loved to have heard that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I always check an app. The one that I use is called Drone Buddy. And the, I mean, there's just restrictions everywhere that are constantly changing okay. and different levels of restrictions. Uh, in general, you know, public land, depending on the protection of public land, in most countries, it seems like they have uh, restrictions on flying. And then it's just good to ask local people. You know, if you're going to fly around a local town or local village or something, ask the local people and you know, get their unofficial permission. Let them know what's going on because right. sometimes, you know, they don't want to be invaded but, in their home. And, uh, and to be a good drone pilot, just the rule of thumb is don't fly over people ever. If you can avoid it, don't go too high and don't fly the drone as far as it can go. Keep it as right. keep it so that you can see where it is. And you also might want to, uh, I've seen a lot of professional pilots do this. If you're going to take it out in a school setting and you mm. want to make sure that you're being of the utmost safety, is like maybe even just put a you know, piece of paper on your back saying, I'm flying a drone, don't talk to me. Oh. Or or something okay. to that effect. I mean, I've, I've seen the best because when you're flying a drone, you do have to concentrate. Absolutely. So to oh keep my things gosh. safe, I mean, yeah. something like that. And, you know, you want to to go along with that. I mean, like I always say with drones, go as small as you can. Uh, with the new Mavic Mini, yeah. unless you need unless you need something more, go with the smallest drone that, mm. that you need. If something does happen, you're minimizing any damage and That's you're right. also minimizing risk. Also, That's great advice for folks who are, um, who are looking to get into the drone business. Also, yeah. some events in some places around the world, we often were asked to do drone for the cross-country running meet or do drone footage for, you know, the track and field. And so in Canada, I don't know about other places, mm. you had to let participants know either on your website or through some sort of brochure that the event was going to be telecast or uh, recorded oh, okay. with the drone so that people were aware ahead of time so that they weren't alarmed or, you know, there's privacy rights, etc. So sure. that's something to think about as well. 
That's great. That's good advice. I think uh, for folks who are looking to get into droning, smaller is better, like what Rob was saying at the beginning. Had I to do it again, I would go with the small stuff. I know Rob was showing his. This is the one that I've been using, which is um, smaller than the Phantom, but it's still quite large. Luckily, I have some experience with it, but I think the students, I'm very hesitant for any student, except for maybe a few of our seniors who are film students who have had training. There's very few students I would let fly that uh, without very strict training and supervision. You know, in design or even science, there's opportunity to use drones where you, you know, the challenge is to modify them, you know, different shape propellers. Again, safety is obviously a factor, but you know, how do you make your drone perform better? There's some STEM and STEAM applications because our propellers sure. would often break lots mm. and, you know, we would buy new ones and because we had lots of 3D printers, gave a challenge to some of the kids to say, 3D print me a better propeller. Yeah. You know, the game was on, game was on. Were they able to do it, Craig? Not that well. We had some <laughs> Ultimakers, which were good printers, but the level of the layer of the plastics just wasn't right. good enough. It just doesn't, I know, yeah, it doesn't layer well enough. Yep. That's that's the thing is that it's great that we can rapid prototype, but at some point we want to have something that we can actually have a little bit more durability. I think some of the more, you know, some of the newer ones might could. Well, you have to get the angles really, uh, really right. exact, especially with propellers, because if they're not you're going to get a lot of vibration you might wreck a motor or you right. might just come <laughs> flying out of the sky so and so uh rob you were saying something about you so Stu had someone call him in mid-flight <laughs> what are some mm. other crazy stories you guys have, have had that have happened to you while you're flying we had uh at our school we have a thing called october festival and that's like a big music and like sports sort of thing and we had the drone up we were taking um just aerial shots of the crowd with korea there's all these apartments a woman and it wasn't facing the apartments, but it was. She saw the backlights flashing because most drones will have lights to tell right. you right. which direction they're pointing. And she just saw a flashing light, and she thought that someone was flying a drone and trying to catch a uh, a candid uh, video or picture <laughs> of her. So she called the cops, and the cops came in. But I mean, like the thing with drones is you just have to look around and use your common sense. So, mm-hmm. David, we had a few things crazy happen to us when we were in Suzhou. You want to tell us about anything particular? Yeah, we've had some uh, near misses and things like that. We got a big open campus we unlocked the professional mode on our EGI drone mm. took it up as high as it could and it's so hard with those older drones they, they don't have as much control and and whoever thought that making a drone white in color was a good <laughs> idea uh, needs, needs their head examined there's a design challenge for you yeah uh, what color should you make your drone something the same you as the clouds the so we've lost it a few times and had oh, yeah. of, I'm out of battery and I'm landing where am I on the topic of like students getting involved with stuff outside of piloting we've had some cool projects were aerodynamic studies through like science and the extended essay and we've had lots of personal projects and things like that but in terms of problems we, we haven't had any peeping tom accusations yet uh, yet but we have had some uh, some air traffic control issues we had about three drones on campus at once for like a sports day where we had our drone in the air doing some sort of sweeping overhead shots of what was going on today and then there was a parent who insisted on following their child through the 400 meter race <laughs> and another one was filming the whole thing and we just had to shut it all down because yeah. it was just too much, too, too many birds in the air. It was going to be a disaster. Yeah, don't so say it, anything about helicopter parents. That <laughs> yeah, that's the crazy. The Craig, has anything crazy ever happened to you while you were flying? Or not crazy like that? 
that. I guess that's my sort of German background, but I used to take our school drone on vacation. So we were in the Cayman Islands, rewind a few years where drones weren't so prolific. So we'd go to the hotel. I'd sort of show up with my drone and say, we love our room, but I have this drone. If I can provide you with footage of your beach and the hotel and stuff, yeah. you think you'd upgrade me? And that used to work for me all the time. I used to get like, really? one time I got the presidential suite because yeah. I offered these amazing videos to this some of these developing countries don't necessarily have access to this. So nowadays that, that may be rare, but that was a, a great ticket for me to save some money. That's a great story, man. Well, I mean, it's, it's really fun. I know I enjoy flying them for personal recreation as a hobby. That's always good. I think the crazy thing that happened to me was I got eat up by one on the arm. I came in a little hot for a landing. Let's just say that. It's a stuff I, of legends. I'm going to let you tell that story. I'm not going well, to ride on you. Yeah. So basically it, I came in a little hot to try to land it, to switch out batteries. And I might have clipped a tree and um, it might have tumbled down the tree still going and I might have grabbed it out of instinct that it came up like a weed whacker and went right across my arm. So let's just say I have the, the battle scars. So I'll show you guys sometime from getting clipped by one of those. But you know, it, it can happen very quickly and I think going back to the, the safety aspect of using these with students, you know, we just have to be really, really careful and cautious of, of how we're doing that and who we're involving and if anyone's looking to use these in school, make sure you're quite selective with how you work with students doing that. I love the idea of the parrot, the really small ones that like what Rob was done. It's even fun for adults. It's a great thing to pull out for a PD afternoon and just have some teachers try to figure out how to shoot the little, little rubber pellet at a target or to pick up post-it note or whatever. It's it's pretty sweet. And then for them, they've never done anything like that, a lot of them. So it's really fun to try that out. So it's a really good PD. And it's, it's great for the administration to see that as well because they're inexpensive, but there's a lot of really cool learning that goes on there. So, so you guys have anything else you want to add? This has been an awesome discussion. Where do you guys go if you're just interested in finding out more about droning? What are some really good resources? I like to watch drone races on YouTube, just typing in drone race or drone racing league and go and watching some of those. What are some places you guys go that you might want to share out, you know, some resources for inspiration? There's a guy, I'm just trying to find his YouTube channel. Oh, okay. I believe it's Captain Drone. You didn't know that? Stuart, right there. It's Stuart. <laughs> no, I didn't know. He's no. right there. Boom. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff. I mean, if, if you're interested on drones, it's probably YouTube, I would say. I mean, Casey Neistat. I mean, if you really want to get into creating those amazing shots, like mm. Casey Neistat is really, he'll give you an honest opinion on anything because he's had so many drones that for him, they're just a tool. Right. So you can kind right. of see what's okay. possible. So I would say okay. maybe okay. that's what I'd recommend. Yeah, I think for me, I mean, I've learned almost everything I've, I know about drones from the internet, from YouTube, uh, and also from Skillshare. And so I, I learned a lot of stuff on Skillshare. And there's okay. um, short programs that you can follow and take that are teach you whatever you want to know about drones. And then on YouTube, you know, if you search drone filming or like shot techniques mm -hmm. or, you know, shot list or something like this, there's a ton of good resources to really break down those skills for filming. And the same thing with like drone setup, you know, how do I fly my drone? Just type that stuff into YouTube. Yep. And there's yep. so, and you can, you know, look up your exact drone and learn how to okay. follow somebody on the internet. Also Instagram. Or, sorry, Rob. No, I was just going to say, you should also search for drone crashes. Oh, there are some epic crashes. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Go ahead, Craig. In addition to what Stuart 
and everyone else said yeah. just following people on Instagram to get ideas of yep. different shots like drone you mm -hmm. I follow them on Instagram uh -huh. they're heavily involved in the states they do they actually do training for photographers who want to get the commercial license to get okay. sort of shots and so drone you is a great Instagram account to follow maybe what we can do is sort of put together a list if we have some ideas I'm I've been putting things into the comments so that people can see that but um what I'm thinking is maybe putting them on to the description later on or at least maybe we can create a folder or something with all these different things in them what would be great is if people know how to get in touch with you if they want to know more questions I know that Craig and Rob and Dave are all on Twitter Stuart do you have a Twitter account that you want to share or is that personal use you can follow on my politics yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I do have one it's just my name uh, Stuart Slay okay yeah. we'll put that all we'll put them all in the description later so everybody can um, have a look at that so just one last thing before we kind of start to wrap things up how would you see using this as um towards the coding and programming end of things because it's, there's a lot of interest in that so even with if you're not flying it we can look at some coding and, and some programming and i know rob you touched on that earlier craig you mentioned a little bit about it just about the different applications of what you could do with that can you talk a little bit more about what you're doing with those or have done hey, um i'm just going to go to the parrot i mean parrot's the one that i know but i know that dji tello also has the thing with parrot that's nice is they actually have a if you go to edu.parrot.com they'll have a whole thing on that's geared towards teachers and okay. it tells you like all the different languages like you can use uh, like i said swift or tinker workbench simulink which i'm not familiar with uh, but python as well um, you can even use javascript if you want to go crazy they actually have released the sdk so that you can actually program the drone yourself and i believe that they are trying to offer some curriculum tools and okay. actually now with the parrot if you actually search like parrot mambo curriculum there's uh -huh. a lot of there's a lot of links and there's a lot of people that have created a lot of material okay. uh, for teachers to use so they don't have to you know start from scratch they can stand Great. on the shoulders of others yeah. how about you craig what have you used uh, i put it in the chat there so okay i don't use it but our grade nine teacher here in singapore uses it so it's called robolink.com and so you can code drones on that site he seems to rave about it and says good things about it. Again, personally, I haven't used it, but I watch him and the kids are engaged in that. Dave, have you had a chance to play around with any programming or coding at all? Uh, not in relation to drones. No, that's a bit a bit out of my wheelhouse. I'm more uh, <laughs> keeping keeping on the ground as far as coding. Lego yeah, yeah. is about to go. Well, listen, guys, I really appreciate you coming and, and hanging out with me for nearly an hour. It's been a great discussion. Do you guys have anything else you want to talk about before we start to wrap things up? I just love the platform, Jason. Thanks for... Oh. Uh, starting this you know we're hoping the three of us well four of us including me are gonna yeah. hit more than 400 hits <laughs> <laughs> yeah the goal is each, each yep. time it goes a little bit more absolutely exactly. yeah so but kudos 401. To 401. Okay, let's do it. There's a lot of people out there who are interested in this, especially in the educational applications of it, and they just don't know where to start. So I think we've given them a lot of places to start. We've given them some fun stories and been able to talk a little bit about you know what the applications can look like. But to be honest with you, and I'm going to do it, the sky is the limit. I had to do it. I couldn't help myself. Well, listen, I appreciate you guys uh, sticking around and talking with me tonight, and I know everyone's going to appreciate you being here. So thanks so much, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Jason. Take care.